Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, an international menopause expert, author, and speaker. I help women go from feeling uncertain, uncomfortable, and struggling to experiencing a new sense of confidence, freedom, and vitality. My own story mirrors that of thousands of women that I have connected with through writing my book, speaking engagements, and coaching. Like you, I felt unprepared, unsupported, and at times dismissed by family, employers, and even doctors. That's why I created this podcast as a place of advocacy, offering facts, resources, and a community where you can become more empowered to take control of your menopause journey. Join us each week as we dive into honest, open, raw conversations on the topics that matter deeply to menopausal midlife women. From our changing bodies to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and aging at work and in society. My mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. How we show up as women how embodied we are, how aware we are of ourselves is incredibly important to how we experience the fluctuations, the cycles that we have as women. And I'm so delighted to have on the show today somebody that I had the pleasure of meeting through the Women of Truth Network, and that is Sarah Yager, and she is a cycle awareness mentor and holistic health coach. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, Clarissa. I'm really excited to be here and thank you so much for having me here. It's my pleasure. Sarah, talk a little bit about yourself and how you came to be doing this very important work. It's been quite a journey and I guess it all started with my burnout, which I experienced at a very young age. I was 22. It was a result of a very hectic lifestyle, being too ambitious, taking myself too seriously. And at that point, I actually had the chance, the opportunity to really take a step back. I moved to New Zealand and without actually being aware of it, I kind of started my healing journey. And on that journey, I met, I came in contact with Maori healers, shamans, and I got aware of the mind and body connection and how all our traumas, unresolved emotions are really stored in our bodies and how this is, so how working with the body is key to moving forward in life and being free of all those patterns that are holding us back. And a big part of my journey and where I learned a lot was just learning from nature. And I think that's where the seed came of you know, what I'm doing now, observing the natural cycles and the seasons and nature and how everything in nature just unfolds. And it really mirrors what is going on inside of us, especially for women with all the cycles that we're going through, our menstrual cycle, the phases of our lives, and this internal changes. So that was a big part. And then also yoga, movement, I started paying attention more to my body, 
and mindfulness and nutrition. Nutrition was a big part of my rehabilitation process and working on farms, really understanding what goes into the whole process of growing food, how much love and care, if of course the food is grown by conscious people and farmers, and how this is again just a way to really connect us back to nature and to ourselves. I think that's really beautiful, Sarah, when you talk about that, this connection back into natural cycles, which we're often very disconnected from, aren't we? Yes. And it's it's no wonder that we are disconnected, you know, because we haven't been told anything about that. We haven't been taught the basics about how our bodies works, how, you know, that we actually have, that we actually have, you know, since we start with our period, that then we have a monthly cycle. We just talk maybe about the period and the PMS, but nobody tells us that this is something that affects us every day of the month. And then, of course, it changes through our life stages. So before our period, then in the years when we have an active bleeding phase, and then after and in between, you know, and this is what you are so good at guiding women and educating them about. And that's why I believe, you know, what we're doing here in this conversation and is so important because there's still women are not aware of this basics things of what is going on with our bodies. And there's so much frustration and so much imbalance and coming out of simply not knowing what is going on. I think that's very true. And not really understanding that the whole cycle is a cycle that in itself we need to pay attention to. We, we, As you said, we focus in our monthly cycles on the days we bleed and maybe the lead up if we have PMS. But we don't realize that we're, that's a cycle that's in tune with us, that hormones are changing all the time. And that has impact on how we not just feel emotionally, but how we sleep, what we want to eat, what our dietary needs are. And I was absolutely fascinated when I was reading something about sleep, which is a passion point of mine for a variety of reasons. And one, I slept very badly during my menopause, but that we are actually as humans in tune with the phases of the moon. And I was like, wow, that that's inbuilt into us through our ancient biology, but we've lost that connection. And particularly as women, that's very important. Yes, I love that you mentioned that because it's true. Like our menstrual cycle is directly linked to the cycles of the moon. And, you know, like in the in the old days when we're still living as a tribe, women were menstruating together or on the full moon or on the new moon. And it was attuned with that. And we see how, like you have dogs and you probably notice, I know that our dogs are always affected or cats or other animals as well, you know, by the new moon or the full moon, the tides are affected. There's more chaos at the full moon in the world, like more the emergency room is busier. They made research about these things. 
and we kind of see, you know, give reason, okay, yes, the full moon is affecting a lot of things, but we don't then see how it's really affecting us. No, or how we could actually learn to be more in tune with it. I think more more in sync with this changes of the month. And then, as you beautifully said earlier on, this seasonal variation in our lives too, that our life does indeed mirror different elements of the of the nature seasons. And, you know, we were talking the other day, weren't we? I think it was on Monday about how hard women strive to be all the time in summer, this sort of bright and vibrant and sexy. And then suddenly, here we are in autumn and winter as perimenopausal, menopausal women, but we and society, should I say, are fighting to be somewhere different. And I think that's a lot of the conflict that women feel. Yeah, exactly. Because we are, you know, we get this image of this superwoman who is always in action. She shows up the same every day, plays all her roles perfectly of, you know, a worker, whatever she is, you know, boss, employer, co-worker, a mother, a sister. And then she does, of course, all the errands and the tasks at home and everything is just perfect. But this is this aspect, as you said, you know, like the summer, the active, and it has a lot of masculine inside. And I'm going to come back a bit later to how we, we need a healthy dose of masculine in our lives. But if we are constantly just in this energy of go, 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 just being on all the time, there is no other way that then this will end in burnout or in some sort of imbalance or in failure or some level. Maybe it's on a physical level or emotional. There's so much anxiety and depression. And again, there's like, there's a big link between I mean, it's worrying how a lot of women are getting prescribed antidepressants when they actually have hormonal imbalances. But that's another topic. That's a whole different topic. But yes, you're right. And I will thank you for bringing that one up because it is very, very true that what we don't have, we're not really depressed. We are indeed hormonally disrupted and it takes time to work through that, doesn't it? And our systems of going to the doctor of seven to 10 minute consults don't really allow for those conversations. The main problem that I see here, you know, like in our society is as this superwoman who is just going, like everything in our lives is going in a very linear way from A to B and it doesn't seem that it ever stops. So it, you always have to go faster and push harder and try more and just keep going. But the thing is that we as women, we have this inner cyclical nature, cyclical rhythm. And that means that, of course, like we want to fit in the society. We want to be successful. So we are following the rhythm that is given to us. But with that, we are constantly going against ourselves. We are. We are. And I think somebody said something very wise to me that men live on a 24-hour hormonal cycle and women are, if they're not 
postmenopausal are on a 28-day cycle. And there's this that's where some of the conflict comes, I think, and, and, and where women are battling to be on a men's cycle. Not that there's anything wrong and there is power in men's in masculine energy. There definitely is. But there is this mismatch as well, which is where conflict comes and where we try to be more like men. Our body doesn't respond well. Our mind doesn't respond well to that. Exactly. So men, there are, they have the solar rhythm. And we see, you know, just the sun rises every day. The moon needs the whole 28 days. That's just how it is. So I think like the most important thing or powerful thing a woman can do is to, I wanted to say simply, but it's not, <laughs> it's not simple, but it's just one. I mean, it is one thing to make the switch to start living back in your rhythm, in the rhythm of your cycle, in the rhythm of the moon. And that will need to come with a whole lot of adjustments on all levels. Because as you mentioned before, it affects all areas of our lives. You know, it affects how much energy do we have to spend, to work out, what are our emotional needs, how much focus we have and mental capacity to be really productive at work. And that affects then our relationships, our communication, our leadership skills, how we show up in business, all areas of our lives, and even what kind of food we reach for. So it really takes a holistic approach to start making the shifts. And it's a journey. It won't happen. No. And, and, and how we actually enact that way of living when we may be having to show up at work. I mean, at the moment, people are working from home and maybe they can start. But when we have to be in a different rhythm, I think it's your thoughts around how do women begin to actually work that if they can't make all the changes that they'd like to make? What I've seen talking with women is that a big shift already happens simply by having the awareness and start observing what is happening in the body. And by awareness, I mean that they know that they get the information, they educate themselves what is going on in different phases of the cycle so that they can understand what is happening with their energies and what is behind. And so, for example, the famous PMS phase. A lot of women have anxiety or face overwhelm in this phase. And it's normal because this is actually a finishing phase. We're coming to the end of the cycle. So a lot of things, all the things that we haven't worked through, that we haven't resolved, are coming up. But this is a good thing. This is coming up for ourselves so that we can see, aha, okay, these are the things that I am bringing with me into the next cycle. This is what I'm keeping. And these are a few things that I need to release because I don't need that baggage to carry with me. And because we don't understand what is going on, we go into panic, we go into overwhelm, we don't know how to handle it. So I've seen that with women simply understanding, aha, okay, in this time, I need space for myself, 
And this is a time where I don't have energy to focus on some external things. Or this is not a time when I will have important conversations with my partner. And just having this awareness, I think, takes so much pressure off and relieves so much guilt and shame about how we are feeling. Because it's, at the end, it's us who is putting so much pressure on ourselves that we have to be a certain way. We have to be focused. We have to be productive. We have to be this and that. Yeah, that's very true. And it's a lot of parallels with what is happening as we go through menopause, which is also not a linear process, that we are, that this is very much a bigger and extended experience, that this is a time when we do need to think about what can we take on? How are we eating? How are we resting? Are these times when I should be having a different conversation with my partner than, than do, do, do? You know, maybe this is a time for saying to employers, I'd love to help you, but not right now. It's about boundaries. Many of those aspects of women are very poor at having. Yes. And this beautifully leads what you said about boundaries and into like the first area that I would like to discuss, which is actually, it's kind of about I mean, it all starts with taking responsibility for yourself because the truth is, truth is the situation we are in, you are in, it's you got yourself into that situation <laughs> and you need to take responsibility for that. And this is in all areas of our lives, you know, maybe it's in our business, it's in our family relationships and how we can like there is a certain level of leadership needed here and knowing what is our role in each of this area that we are present in our lives and how we can bring this into our life is to kind of embody this energy or we imagine ourselves as a queen or I like to call it empress or maybe, you know, in one area that would be, you picture it as like a really boss lady and high heels and a suit, you know, whatever works for you, you know, there is no, when I'm using these archetypes and mentioning them, I have to say that there are a lot of variations of them. So it's just about picking something that works for you, something that you can in a way identify with so that it can help you to kind of serve, you know, like as a guiding light in a way. But also knowing that it's not something external, it's just a part of you that you need to tap in and activate in those moments that when this is needed. And there was something that you said that prompted me to start talking about this. <laughs> and I forgot what it was. Maybe it was about talking when we talk about boundaries. <laughs> the four, you know, and how that leads into the archetypes that can help us in our life. Yeah. So if we look, you know, like at the queen, she's very certain about what her role is. And she has also a clear vision. And her main purpose is to work for the benefit of her people. You know, she's not a selfish. She's not there sitting on the throne just for her own pleasure. She has a very important job. And so in, you know, in your kingdom, queendom, that could be your family, your household, 
or your business with your clients or coworkers and teams. It can be your community where you're involved with. Or, you know, maybe you are on a mission in a way help the whole planet. But it's about having this clarity of vision of where do you want to go in your life? What are your goals? And of course, for achieving that those goals, boundaries need to be set in place. Because otherwise, we're just going to bounce to all the things that are coming at us. And I think like what is hard about this is that it's much easier to stay in the victim mentality. Oh, yes. That's the poor me. It's my hormones. It's somebody else. Isn't that the way we talk? Yes. And we just have to get over ourselves and <laughs> get out of this mode. And like how we do that and leads us to the next area, which I believe is very important. And this is healing. And not just, okay, we also have to take care of our bodies to physically heal, but especially also emotional healing, healing our traumas and blocks. And maybe you say, well, I don't have any traumas. And I was the person who was saying that to myself, but nothing bad happened in my life. I don't have any, any big traumas. But we all have traumas. We all have things that are directing how we are reacting to things in our lives, how we are responding to them, and how we are living on a day-to-day -day basis. I agree. I th and I think that's a big point that, you know, so I was reading that, you know, one in four people have really experienced quite a lot of trauma, actually, in their lives. And that... All of us have had some trauma and it's not for other people to judge what kind of trauma and how big or bad it is because each person has their own experience. But we certainly know that it's much more common than we thought and learning to heal, as you said, not just the body, but also our past traumas is a huge part of being able to move forward from where we are. Exactly. And, you know, like it plays out in very subtle ways in our lives. So for example, if you notice that you are procrastinating with something, let's say sending, just reaching out for a collaboration or offering your services to someone. And you may think first, oh, okay, it's not on my priority list. Uh, I just don't have time. Or you go into that overwhelm that it's over, always hanging over your head. And then you add the guilt and the shame for being lazy and not doing it. So you keep piling up the bad emotions. But if you then look and go deeper into what is behind that, why aren't you sending that email? You will probably come to the point that you will see, oh, okay, I am actually afraid that they will say no, that I will be rejected. And then you can go even deeper into that and see, well, okay, what will happen? if I get rejected and maybe our brain is still working in that way that, okay, if you're going to be rejected, you're going to be thrown, excluded out of the community, excluded out of the tribe, <laughs> you will die on your own. So it's comes, it's a fear of death. So that was just like a small example of like how 
just like little trivial things in our lives that we don't see as relevant or, okay, how is this affecting my life? How they really have deep-rooted causes and patterns that are influencing our decisions. Absolutely. And that's very true. Talked about boundaries and the need to heal on a very deep level. You mentioned about talking about archetypes and there being four key archetypes that you work with. Can you talk a little bit about what they are and how they represent different areas of women's lives? Mm -hmm. So the first one we already covered with what we were just speaking before about taking responsibility, owning your place, owning your role. So this is really the archetype of the queen who knows her place. And I spoke a little bit about what she represents. So it's really about being clear of what is your stand, what is your job, and then making it happen, putting all the things in place. Um, and that's really, the queen doesn't have time for excuses. She doesn't have time for playing small. She doesn't have time for hiding. And the thing, the queen also, that's why the queen never works alone, right? She has a lot of support. And I think the most important support that she has is the healer. And that's what we just talked about, how this is really important to heal, to work on healing all our little traumas and patterns. And this is the archetype. I call her the priestess. You can call her the inner healer or the shaman or the wise one, however you want to call her. And again, reminding that this is just a part of yourself. And when it comes to healing, I truly believe that each of us has the ability to heal him or herself. And the only thing, also when I work with women, I always tell that I don't need to teach you anything new. You just have to remember what you already have. Because we have within everything that we need. But our job is to remove all those blocks and layers that we put on ourselves to protect ourselves in a way. And some of them were serving as a protection. They were serving us in the past and maybe they're not serving us now anymore. So we have to heal. And when it comes to the feminine, we have to do a lot of healing. And it's happening now on the collective level. Because, you know, we have so many of those deep patterns inside. And if we would be talking, having this conversation publicly or in whatever way, a couple, a few hundred years ago, we would be burned at the stake. We would have been, yes, because we were, it was not allowed to talk about these things, least of all as a woman. And you're right, there is a collective consciousness right now about this healing. And I think we saw some of that surface in the UK on the weekend with women saying enough is enough and women marching in Australia saying we're not putting up with some of the things that have been going on in our lives around violence towards women, about discrimination against women. Yeah, absolutely. We see it. And it's great that we see it all around the world, basically. But 
I think we're doing great, <laughs> but there's still a lot to be done. I think there's a lot of work to be done in many parts of the world. I think all we can do is is begin. Exactly. And that also is kind of connected, like the feminine energy with the next archetype and the next area, which is really important and so many times completely neglected. And this is the fun and the pleasure and the ease and just playfulness and enjoyment. And this is represented with the goddess. And I have to say that I think like of those, all these archetypes, like goddess is now like a super popular one. When we see a lot of, you know, like God is this, God is that, it's kind of become like a cliche or like a feminine embodiment of the feminine. And it's in a way it's great, but sometimes it's a bit superficial because also self-care now it's a big business because everyone is burned out. So self-care has become a big business, but that self-care that is being promoted to us it's targeting just the outer layers. I agree. I totally agree. I think it's very, I would describe it as a very commercialized form of self-care and has, is in some ways, quite a lot of masculine energy driving people to take action and to spend money and to do. Whereas in reality, what we really want is for women to be. And that we don't we don't need massage therapy. No, it's lovely. I love massage and I love candles and I love all these things. But that's a very small part of this whole self-care movement. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's again, how can we... Okay, first of all, just having time to rest. And most of the women I speak to, like they're like, I don't have time for that. Like, how could, how do you imagine? How can you, because I tell all, I always tell them to rest as much as possible on the first days of their period. And they're like, how? <laughs> then I tell them it's actually like the most productive thing that you can do, but that's another topic. But okay, first is how do you rest? But then how can you enjoy it? Like, really? Because there's, again, there's so much shame and guilt about, okay, so what now I'm going to have? Maybe for you, it's two hours seems like a complete luxury. Maybe half a day, like whole day. How can I enjoy that? And we have to retrain ourselves, our mind and our body to be able to do that. Because this is really where our essence can be expressed this is really where our creativity is then free to flow and from that place of joy and calm and pleasure we are then able to create we are then able to give and infuse everything that we do with that energy exactly that's such beautiful because i think that is is true somebody once said to me when you start practicing mindfulness you get more time and i was like what do you mean i'm i'm supposed to take i don't know then it was probably 20 minutes out of my day not 2 hours initially but i gain more time but when i have a practice and i have a practice every day i realize that in resting 
I'm able suddenly to have a day that expands very differently. There is more time, but there's not more time in the concept of hours because that's just a man-made concept. But there is time. There's more space, more opportunity in terms of energy that comes from it. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. And, you know, like we have to be, like we're talking about a lot of things today and the shifts that are needed to be made. And one thing I want to say is that it really is a journey on which we have to be patient and compassionate with ourselves and not expect that, ah, okay, now I see how I want to be. So from tomorrow on, I'm just going to be like that. But yes, really approaching all these changes with a lot of patience, because if we have been functioning in this way our whole lives or majority of our lives, then we cannot expect that we will just flip the coin and I'm a different person now. Like we have to retrain ourselves and form new habits, but it's definitely worth it. And you will start believing it for yourself when you start experiencing, just as you said, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I think the proof is in doing, isn't it? It's not an intellectual exercise. And this is actually leading me to the, to the fourth area and the fourth archetype. And the fourth area is that we need to have some sort of structures and systems in place that will allow our energy to flow. So if we look at the feminine as water, let's say as a river, and if that river wouldn't have a bank, You know, it would just spill into all directions. It would lose the direction. It wouldn't reach the ocean. And that is what happens to our feminine energy. So, you know, if we, before we're talking about the goddess and all this flow and joy and pleasure, but then in creative energy, this is all great. But we also need to have some sort of system that will direct this energy so that we can actually use it for fueling our goals, that it won't be just, you know, a purpose for itself. Of course, it's also just great to be in that energy. But what's even better is that if we can use that energy to fuel our life goals. So this is really like the masculine, which presents the bank of the river, It gives us a bit of this structure. So in daily lives, these are little habits, boundaries about our time. So schedules that we don't have like a big energy waste is social media, scrolling. If you're constantly getting notifications and every couple of seconds you hear the ding and your energy is going there automatically, of course. But then if you have, let's say, dedicated two 15-minute blocks per day to be on social media and then the rest, you focus on other things, it's a completely different thing, right? So this is kind of the warrior energy to pave the path, to make sure that the energy will be able to flow. And this is a little bit different, of course, for every person. And you mentioned before... You have a daily mindfulness practice. 
And for me, that is as well. It's the meditation, it's the movement, it's the feeding my body with nourishing foods so that I can keep a clear vessel for the energy to flow so that I'm then able to do. It's kind of the foundational work that we have to set in place. And it can be really boring. Like I was really resisting for so long, you know, any kind of structure or schedules because I thought it's boring. It's completely not creative. It's not allowing myself me to be flexible. It's just a masculine thing that is restricting me. But what I'm finding more and more is that it really allows me to use my energy so much better. I think that's the biggest point in this, that we will never make anything happen if we just hope that it happens. We have to create structure. And a lot of the things I see with women who go on a journey to change, but don't put those structures and give them time to be embedded into their life is that they fail, whether it's about changing diet, whether it's about getting into movement, it's meditation, whatever it is that's facilitating you to manage your energy better. If you don't make structures that work within the context of your life, you'll be back to square one after a while. Yeah, we really have to, like when I work with people, I also, in a way, I focus first on this deeper energy work and mindset and all these things. But then the emphasis is on how, okay, how do you bring this into your life? Because that is really the key. If we want to have this sustainable success and not just going, okay, now I'm going to, so many people are like, okay, I'm going to work. I'm going to push hard. Everything else is on standby because then I'm going to go on holidays and I'm going to be fine. But then you cannot enjoy the holidays because you're completely burned out at that point. And then you have to, you're going back to your normal life where you're step on the hamster wheel again. So what is the point of that? Exactly. And you almost want to have a life that you don't need to go away for two weeks to to relax from. You go away because you want to see something different. You want to let the goddess out to have fun and joy, not to recover from where you are. Sarah, this is so wonderful. And I just love the fact that these are these four archetypes, the queen, and I like calling her the priestess, the goddess, and the warrior. And showing how they can be integrated into women's lives. It's beautiful. How do they connect back to our cycles? I would say that they are kind of needed in every day. They need to work together. But each of them also has like a phase in the cycle that maybe they are more relevant there or they are leading in that phase. So... If we start with our menstrual phase, I would say this is the priestess because this is really the time when we can benefit so much from going within, from kind of shutting out from the outside world and tuning into our intuition, into our inner world and getting guidance from within and also seeing what needs to be addressed, what needs to be healed and also getting the vision. and. Then with that 
clarity and that vision, we then step into the new phase, the follicular phase. It's kind of the most masculine phase. So in a way, it could be also, we could also say that the warrior needs to kick in with the structures. But I would also say that this is really the time to lead. So the queen would be here with her clear vision and let's do this. This is where we're going. Let's make it happen. And then the ovulation is definitely the goddess, which is about celebrating ourselves, looking also a bit back at what we have already achieved. I think celebrating, you know, our achievements is something that we need to be doing more as women because we always just focus on the long to-do list that is still there. And we never stop and look at, oh, okay, I've actually come so far. And these are all the things that I've done. So I really recommend you to do <laughs> this. Maybe have a weekly check-in or at least monthly check-in with yourself to see all of your achievements and what you can celebrate. And this is why ovulation in this phase and the goddess, I mean, because in this phase, we are the most magnetic, we're extroverted, we enjoy spending time with other people, and so on. And then the warrior comes back in the luteal phase, or the PMS phase, how you may like to call it. And we're talking about this before already, how this phase is really, everything comes up, and we need to stay grounded. And also clear the path, see what needs to be removed before we move into the next cycle. And this is also the warrior's job, to set boundaries, basically. That is beautiful. Sarah, I love your work and I love what you're doing here in creating a way for women to look at how they can change their lives. But in a, it's a very clear set of aspects and the archetypes are such a great way to help women in a sense see what you're trying to talk about and it makes it less ephemeral because sometimes when people talk about goddess energies and stuff people are like well I don't know what you mean but when you look at it through the eyes of these four architects it becomes very clear what we're, what's needed and how we can make ways to integrate that into our lives. Thank you. I know I worked with the archetypes maybe quite in a different way than other people do, because as you said, they can seem very mystical, very intangible, like what is this? But in this way, we can see that they're really practical and they're just helping us to invoke, activate parts of ourselves, some characteristics that are needed in a certain phase. Beautiful. So how can my listeners connect with you, learn more about you and the work that you're doing? I share most of things in my Facebook group. It's a free group called the Wild Woman Collective for women who dare to live, lead and love in their rhythm. So I do live trainings there, lots of events, things like that. And that's the best place, I would say. <laughs> to, to get the most that is wonderful Zara and we will put that in the show notes and ensure people can see the work that you're doing and connect with you through your Facebook group Wild Woman Collective I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking and inspiring us to know that there is a way we can live our lives 
so much more connected to who we are, so much more embodied. Thank you so much, Clarissa. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible, menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions. Why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom. You matter to me. Your feedback, opinions and stories matter to me and I would love to hear from you so drop me an email clarissa at clarissachristiansen.com I genuinely want your feedback and your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast and if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support pop over to my website clarissachristiansen.com you can find free resources And you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.